Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Uh, Allie, good to be with you again, sir. Yeah, good to be with you too as well, Dwayne. It's, it's that Monday morning, kind of Monday morning blues, but at the same time, excitement to keep moving along. I, I had a good weekend. I, I went to uh, I went to this really cool, unbelievable, um, ingenious kind of uh, new business, and it was called the Escape Room. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, where they have multiple rooms that you have to go in and they have uh, you know you go with a group of people and uh, there are all these little kind of like scenarios like we went in the subway and then next to us was another group of people they were in the subway as well the the theory was the guys on the subway next to us their train uh, the 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 conductor or whoever drives the train had died of a heart attack and their train was barreling down the um, the track to heading towards our train and our train was stuck on the track because the power went out. So we had to figure out our way out of the train within an hour or the trains would collide. And, um, and then, if, you know, they lock you in the room. It's not really locked in, but, but you're, you know, you're closed in there. And then they have a, a monitor with cameras that they can see you, and you have a card that says, give me a hint. And um, anyway, you start figuring out the clues. It was so cool. Trap doors that pop open if you sit on the thing a certain way and if you find the key and the whole key is you have to find this red key in order to get out of the out of the subway and uh, we unfortunately didn't make it out the other team did that was barreling down on us so we didn't make it out we were like two minutes short of finding the last clue it was so much fun and uh it was like 30 bucks a person we had four of us so they made like 120 something dollars plus tax for the hour and they had like eight or ten rooms in this small little facility it was so cool that is very cool. That's a nice, that's a neat yeah. concept. And is that only for Halloween or is that something that's all no, year no, round? No, no, this is, this is year round. This is year round. The, the different scenarios were subways, um, interrogation room where you're like a prisoner in your interrogation room, the apartment where you snuck into an apartment and there's a guy who's like a serial killer and he owns the apartment and he's coming home and you ended up getting booby trapped and locked in the apartment. So you got to find your way out before he gets home. And then another one was a uh, oh, prison cell. You're in like they have an actual mock prison cell with bunks in it and, and, and a, you know, a, a restroom, you know, and it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then there was one other one, too. I forget what it was, but these all different scenarios. Pretty, pretty amazing. But I looked at the concept. It Very was packed neat. Since I, it went, the minute I got there, it was packed. And, you know, it's really great for the mind because you're figuring out clues and the clues, you know, you have to put numbers together and look at signs and there's graffiti on the wall and, and you got to make clues and names, put the names together, really very detective-like, you know, kind of thing. But um, there was probably like 10 rooms going at once and they were all packed with anywhere from like three to five people in each room. Now, is this something that they have to, you had to, um, you know, reserve your spot online or do people yep, just yep, show up yep. and wait? We, no, we had to book our spots online because you pick your hour, you pay for it online, and then you reserve your spot because you can't just show up and, and you could see what's available. We wanted the subway, but we ended up, um, you know, it, it just fortunately was available. Um, but, you know, if not, it'll say this room's booked. You have a choice of the prison room or the interrogation room, and it gives you what's open and available. Well, yeah, that's a great concept where each room is different. And so even though you guys yeah. 
did the subway. Next time you guys can go back and do, it'll be neat to see their follow-up marketing. But um, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm glad yeah, you had exactly. a good time. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then I saw Jack Reacher, the, the Tom Cruise movie, phenomenal action film. So anyway, those are my reviews for what I did on the weekend. And now we're back to work. You know, I heard that the Reacher one was a little slow in spots. I didn't, it, it, there wasn't great reviews on it. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge fan of the books, so I've read all the books, and I absolutely love Tom Cruise. I think he's phenomenal. I mean, that guy keeps reinventing himself. Nope. He, I was looking at him yesterday, too, on screen going, this is a guy who people try to bring down. They said he was insane. They treated him badly when he got divorced, yet he still is like one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. He's never affected by any of it. He still keeps getting these really big motion picture releases. Mission Impossible, you know, space shows, movies, you know, Jack Reacher. He's just incredible. He's kind of like, you know, he's Teflon. You know, he doesn't get affected by all the stuff that they do and say. Right, right. No, yeah, so cool. listen, we were, we were, you and I were chatting about, you know, a topic. And, you know, the other day I was, I was thinking, like, my friends and I go out to breakfast. Everyone who listens to us probably knows that by now. And uh, we were hanging out. And, you know, we, were, we joke quite often. You know, we're just a bunch of martial art guys who have been doing this for 25, 30, 40 years. All of us have different time in. And then, you know, we kind of counsel each other and we joke about it. But we're like, you know, the other day I had a kid in my classroom and he was spinning around in circles. And the other kid, he goes, I can't believe it. the other kid was actually had an entire belt in his mouth. And then another guy, another guy goes, yeah, and this other kid was like licking the mirror. And we're going like, what is wrong with society today? And I said, you know what? And it's kind of funny that every martial artist I talk to, we all have these kind of special situations. And, and then I said, you know, I kind of had this epiphany and I said, you know, we have worked hard over the last 15 years to be the answer, right? We want to, we want to be the answer, right? We're the answer for people who are out of shape. People have no confidence. People have no self-esteem. People who want to learn to defend themselves, kids with ADD, ADHD, autism, Asperger's, and all these different things. The martial arts is in reality is like the magic pill. It has such an unbelievable result to it that it could help all of these people. However, sometimes we put ourselves in a situation where we're not really categorizing those students in specific classes. So, you know, and sometimes parents are not really forthright and honest with us either. I once had a, a, a brother and a sister in my dojo that had Tourette syndrome, and it took like three years, and it was a very mild case of it. So they would kind of like look up and look away. There were little twitches. And I, they never told me the families. I guess they didn't want to label them with this, uh, you know, with this disorder or, you know, a handicap or whatever it is uh, considered politically correct. And then, so I didn't know. So I struggled within class thinking they weren't paying attention. They weren't listening to me, you know, that they didn't like what I was doing or I had to discipline them. And the very nature of the, you know, uh, Tourette syndrome was they didn't know when they would do certain things. So, like, I'd say, what's the matter? You know, why are you looking over there? And they go, huh, what? Like, they didn't even know what I was talking about because they had no control over what they were doing and they had no memory of it whatsoever. So, anyway, you know, we, we kind of buzzword our way into a corner and not really, um, you know, really understand why now we're looked at as the magic pill and parents are bringing all of their children that need special help or kids that aren't confident or kids that are getting bullied and they put them in our classroom and then they just plug them in. In other words, like they just say, here you go, fix their issue without really working on a plan of action with us as teachers. What, what's your opinion on that? 
Well, I, yeah, I think the um, we've done a great job over the last 10, 15 years, the last 10 years especially, um, with communicating to the public what the uh, benefits of their child being in the martial arts are. And we've right. done such a good job that even parents that have children with special needs are now in our classrooms well more than they ever were before. Now, part right. of that is our advertising. Part of it is more acceptance um, of special needs in, you know, mm-hmm. being integrated into regular populations, you know, through right. the school system and other places. And that's great. Yeah. And, and I'm not, uh, you know, <laughs> both of my parents worked at a, a mental hospital when I was a kid. And so I am so used to special needs, it doesn't even scare me. Like, it didn't scare me when I was a kid. I grew up with it. My wife works at a high school in special needs. Our family has been so integrated and inundated with special needs that it doesn't bother me. Um, Right. You know, I believe that I am more equipped because of my past and my experiences to be able to handle right. a lot more than maybe some martial arts schools or even martial right. arts instructors. Um, right. But yes, we have, you know, we as a society have, are, are a lot more open with it, a lot better with it. And we as um, martial artists are much better at communicating the benefits of our programs that, again, parents that have special need kids see that and go, that's what I want for my kid. And then when they bring them to us, they aren't always as open as they should be with right. their uh, their child's needs. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, a great uh, introductory counselor, uh, consultation session where, you know, your introductory program goes through those things thoroughly, uh, tests those kids thoroughly, and questions the parents thoroughly so that it doesn't put you into a position or a compromising position later. Now, a lot right. of us aren't necessarily doing that, so we're put into compromising positions later, and then I know that you know today we're going to kind of talk about how to handle those things. But, yeah, that's the yeah. way that I see it. Um, and I don't know where you want to begin. I mean, I, I obviously, well, where you want to go well, next I, with this conversation. I, I, also, but... I, I also want to add to, um, to one thing to that. Uh, that there are so many different levels of what we would consider, again, the magic quote fingers, special needs, where I honestly, if I had a label of ADD, ADHD, attention deficit disorder, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, when I was a kid, I almost guarantee you I would have been labeled with it. However, I was not a kid that couldn't focus. You just had to find the right thing on what to get my, my desire to focus on. So, for example, if I had no interest in it, you, there was no way I, I was going to focus on it. Like, I remember my life growing up was martial arts, since I'm three years old, and then mar- uh, music and girls. That's all I cared about. Those three things were the main staple all throughout, you know, elementary, junior high, and high school, right? So if you gave me a martial art book, I could read the entire thing, be totally laser beam focused on. If you wanted to train technique, I could do it repetitively over and over and over and over again. Um, if it had to do with girls, forget it. I was totally linear focused on that. You know, so, so anyway, the, the fact of the matter is there's so many different ways that we can help or um, you know, uh, assist the parents 
um, by, by, you know, guiding their children into whatever, you know, program it may be. And I have some clients that they have a program called Brain Gym, which is for kids that have Asperger's or autism, and they actually teach them. And they're in Michigan, and right, they charge, I don't remember what it was, like $180 a month. And right down the road, the same type of program is available, and they're charging, they're charging at, I think, like two or $3,000 a quarter. So they're like 100 times more expensive than my friend's school doing the same program because they realize they're not a martial arts school. They're a brain gym specialist for children. So the parents are going there, and they're getting the same program at both locations. However, they're paying 100 times more or whatever it is than they would be at the martial arts school. So we have to position ourselves where we're experts in our field, and then we have to set some guidelines where we're saying these are the goals, these are the rules, this is how we're going to work on this, you know, this is your commitment level, and really sit down with the parents and the, and the clients. And whether it be special needs or just a regular student, we should do the same thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, I agree. The, the, other, the other question, though, really is that um, a school owner needs to decide if that's a program that they even want to have, um, right. first and foremost. And, and they need to have that, yeah, they have to have that conversation with themselves because not every school owner um, would want that or, you know, not every school owner should have that. You or, know? Or, and you're being, or you're being, and you're being nice too because not every school owner is capable of handling that, right? So, or they might not have the patience right. for it. So you're right. That conversation is, you know, do I accept children with special needs? Am I, am I qualified? Um, you know, I have a client that, you know, he's in, he uh, has a program, regular program for martial arts, and he has a bunch of special needs kids, and he's losing his regular students because he's, and I used to have this as well. I had this one kid by the name of Tommy. Tommy, don't do that. Tommy, don't swing that weapon. Don't hit that person. Tommy, stop biting or spitting, you know, and, and it was parents were just not wanting to have their kids, not like they didn't want to be around that child, but they didn't want the, the possibility of the unknown of Tommy maybe lashing out and biting their child or kicking him or spitting on him. And um, they just didn't want it involved. So when the family eventually left because they found a school $5 cheaper down the road from me, um, that, that they said to me, okay, we're going to leave. It's $5 cheaper unless you're going to lower your price. I was happy to say, okay, better go there. And then all the parents were like literally applauding almost, you know, because they were happy that their kids could relax a little in class. So, um, you know, are you that kind of person? Do you want that? And that's the question. Yeah, and I think that's the conversation you have to have with yourself. And then if you do want it, the question is then, you know, am I going to allow, um, you know, am I going to allow special needs in my quote-unquote regular class or am I going to develop a special needs class just for that section of the population? And I hesitate right. even using some of these terms because I don't want somebody to get offended um, you know, by me saying the wrong word at the wrong time here. So I just want to preface that. Right. I have nothing against special needs, whether or not I have a program here or whether I would have a program here. That's not the issue. Um, we're just trying to, you know, have a conversation that is already going on in our industry because we are so good, like I said before, we're so good at our buzzwords and communicating the, the, the benefits to everybody that people with special needs want to get into our program because they actually see that there's a benefit from it, and there is. Right. 
Um, right. So I just apologize so for, for, in advance if any of us, if Allie or I say anything that's not politically correct, we don't mean it that way. And so forgive us right. in advance. But go ahead. Well, isn't, it fun, isn't it funny in our society that we even have to say that? Because everyone is so on edge about what's being said that they take everything the wrong way. Like I just heard, you know, again, for, uh, pol- politics, the, the right race is almost over. Only a few few days left, right? But they, uh, they said uh, Donald Trump Jr. said so he was trying to explain his philosophy to one of the reporters or newscasters. And he said, you know, think about this. He said, if, if Syrian refugees, there's only three out of every thousand that are dangerous. Should we? just allow the thousand in and take a chance. He said, it's almost like a bowl of Skittles candy. He said, if I take a bowl of Skittles and I put three poisonous ones in a bowl of 200 Skittles, would you eat any of them? So anyway, I bring this up because uh, the, then the reporters flipped it and said, oh my God, he's actually, he's actually saying that Syrian refugees are like Skittles. And I'm going like, what? Where did you get that? So again, we're, we're, anything that we say, you're right, though, Drayton, and I really don't want anyone to get offended. I love working with children of all, all kinds of situations, but um, the, the reason why I brought this up, too, is because, you know, if we say, like, we're the magic pill to, to solve all of the world's problems, we can't get mad if our marketing is working and all the people who want their problems solved comes to our dojo and then they train. And then when we look out and I say, like, to, like it's funny, sometimes I'll tell moms that have children with ADD and they'll tell me, oh, Johnny doesn't want to go anymore. He's bored. I go, that's the very definition of ADD, right? You have to understand that they're going to lose focus. They're going to get bored easy. Now, what are you going to do as a parent to keep them in this program? And, uh, you know, so, but when we look out in our classroom, we said, oh, you know, five out of our, our 10 kids are not paying attention, yet five of those kids suffer from ADD or ADHD, um, then how, what else do we expect? Can we be upset? No, because we've advertised, hey, we'll solve the world's, the world's uh, problems by helping them with focus, control, the buzzwords, discipline, self-discipline, concentration, you know, all of that stuff. Right? So well, we're, and, we're that's where, yeah, and that's where I think a good, good introductory program uh, that focuses on the right things, uh, you know, the right tests to test those individuals, right. meaning the kids themselves, and also the right questions to ask the parents uh, is important. Because you can, I mean, I have two. I've had, uh, I mean, I have ADD and ADHD kids in, in my quote-unquote regular class. Um, right. I have had some kids that are on, on the higher end of the autism spectrum in my uh, again, quote unquote, regular class. Um, right. But when when they don't operate, or I find out through our introductory process that they they really aren't a good fit for that class. Um, and by the way, you know that's already preframed when they tell us that they, you know, yes, my child has uh, ADD, ADHD, or is on the autism spectrum, or whatever, right? Yeah, right, we let right. them know that, you know, during this trial, what we're doing is we're, we're, we want to see what class that they're going to, you know, excel in the, the best. And so then, therefore, when it's no surprise when we, te- when we tell them, you know, that, you know, here's our report of findings, right, uh, like the chiropractors right. used to do or some still do. Here's our report of findings. We find that this is the best thing for, you know, the uh, the treatment of your child. So meaning that – you know, sometimes we do. We allow them in, into the quote-unquote regular class, or we'll say, you know, this class that we have 
uh, is going to operate better for them. And, you know, we have, like us personally, I have an adult um, special needs class. And right. we've set that up through a, um, a program that's here in our county uh, for adult special needs. Now, that only came about because I had a kid's one where that was through a um, – uh, it's called Easter Seals, and I don't know if, if it's nationwide, if it's just statewide or whatever. I don't recall. I think it's nationwide. But anyways, um, they were looking for – because they do horseback riding and swimming and all these other things. They were looking for another activity. And we had done, um, you know, a, a kickathon years after year. I mean, we've been doing kickathons to raise money for them for years. But anyways, you know, they were like, what about doing a martial arts program? Well, we were doing the martial arts program. And in fact, uh, we had done it for years until the uh, recession hit. And then they were, they, they know, like they weren't charging their people. I was charging them a nominal fee to be here and they would pay us. So everything actually right. went through their office. And mm-hmm. then when the recession hit, I said, well, let's do this. I, I still want the kids to come. I said, let's, can you do half? You know, just do right. half of what you were paying, and we'll still service the same amount of kids, yada, yada, yada. So we did that. And I did that, I think, for another four years. And it's just it got too much for me to continue And uh, right. you know, because I'm still paying my instructors, and it wasn't even barely covering all of that. And so I, I had to make the decision. And I've since been in right. contact with them, but they never returned my calls. I don't know if I made them angry or what, but, and this has been a, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe two or three years ago that I, you know, tried calling them back to see if they wanted to structure it like what I have structured with my adult one, um, where they, right. I mean, they, the, the, the parents pay outright, which is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyhow, you know, the introductory process has to, if you're going to, um, you know, have special needs in your class, you need to identify it first. And then, you know, you've got to be able to structure it in a way that, yep, this is the path that they are going to excel in better or this one. And I've actually had people that when I had my, uh, my children's special needs class, that some of them really did well, so well that I eventually moved them out of that and put them into the regular one. I, you know, I don't know if I was wrong in the beginning right. or they just – you know, got that much better, but I've had that happen, right. and then they go all the way to black belt. So, it, 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 but you have to, again, you have to um, have a plan and right. you know, then move forward, you know, move forward with that plan. The other thing, I don't know if you want to talk about it now, is that, you know, how do you uh, let go of someone who has special needs? Um, because that's, a, you know, that you, that really yeah. they're not operating in your class even let's say even if you don't have a special needs class and you decide to let them into your class is that a topic you want to go over yeah yeah we could do that now i just had one don't forget I'm, i just hold on to that thought real quick and i just wanted to add in one quick thing and then we can kind of jump back to that because that would kind of almost be a good way to close our um our thing uh, our podcast but what i was going to say too is i think it's interesting i mean i'm learning a lot now that my daughter is going away to college and we've met with a few of the colleges and we've been through their, um, you know, college day where you go and you experience the, you know, the whole entire feeling. They, they show you around the campus. They, they even have the kids in the college that actually rent out their rooms and they get paid. I don't know. They get credit into the store or get free food or whatever, uh, or they even make some money where, um, 
you know, the parents that are on that college tour get to stop in and then the kids will talk about their experience and so on. Um, one thing, the reason why I brought this up is, is because it's quite interesting at how we are so thirsty to have a student come through the door that we forget that there should be a process put in place to really to, to set those people up for success from the first day. In other words, like, for example, I, you know, I don't want to just say, okay, join my program. Here it is. It's great. We're going to fix everything. You're going to have the best kid in the world. He's going to have confidence. He's going to be a martial art master. He's going to defend himself. He'll never get bullied again. Um, and, you know, and then they're all excited, and then we give them the uniform. They put their deposit down, and then we throw them into the machine, almost like on a conveyor belt. Um, and, you know, even though there were specialists and we kind of work with those kids, it would be better if we sat down, we really sat, sit, set, um, set up goals with those families. We told them what we could do. They told us what they want to work on. We did some regular meetings to follow up and follow through. Just imagine what this would do for our retention. If we were doing this on a regular basis, talking and communicating not only with the parents but with the students and really finding out how their progress is going, how, how they're feeling, if they had any questions, you know, how we could alter it, you know, if Johnny was had no confidence and now he does, well, what's next on his list of desires? And then put them in the program that's right for them from the start. I think that we're so anxious sometimes, we just will take the student, boom, plug them in and move on to the next. And we forget that we have to really focus on the individual and really helping them acquire what they signed up for. And that will, it will elongate our retention process, too, as well. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, and I'm glad you said the word individual because what I was thinking was that, you know, we, we have to remember that we are working with individuals. I mean, there's a human being right. that we, you know, that, you know, the parents, if we're talking about kids, it's, 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 it's uh, parents that uh, have, you know, bestowed their kid upon us and they expect us to treat them uh, like a treasure, like, you know, the most precious gift, and that's what they are. So we have to do our do, due diligence to do that. And having and, and to, systems and, and processes are – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, systems and processes. I was going to say, having systems and processes are good, but there has to be a, a realistic human element, not, you know, that, that actually is following up with them with the, uh, the, the information that you had spoke about before. Yeah, and also one thing, too, is that we have to have, and this is a big word in our society today that is very, I think, is, is going away and it's lacking, is we have to have the first word is uh, there has to be accountability. And now accountability <laughs> is always on our, on our laps, right? It's always like, hey, Dwayne, I signed my kid up in your program and you were supposed to make him into, you know, the next uh, super athlete, you know, and and, you know, he came in and he couldn't even stand on one, you know, one leg. And, and, you know, now he does this and that. But he's certainly not a black belt yet. You know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have all the things that you promised me. Um, and, you know, this is where we fall short at times where we're not really following up and following through. So we have to also have the parents, you know, like I have parents in my school where, you know, they, they'll say to me, and here's a perfect example. They'll say, uh, I can't believe it. You know, Johnny, he really, he's not doing well at tournaments. And I'm going, but ma'am, you've only been to two. And she's like, yeah, well, you didn't do well. He should have done well. I go, ma'am, you've only been to two. You've been training with me for seven and a half years, and you've been to two tournaments. That's like being on a baseball team and over seven and a half years showing up to two games and then complaining that you didn't hit and do well in field and you're not incredible. So we have to then at that point be open, brutally honest with the, with the families and say, hey, listen, this is what we need to do. We need to sit down and 
and make a plan of action for the parents as well. It's almost like a dietitian. You know, you could give them a menu, but if they don't eat the food, the results won't be there. And if they cheat in between, the results are not going to be there, right? So we have to really be a little bit more aware of what our role is. And then I think, you know, this is more of a, a small-scale operation, you know, a few hundred students. And, um, but it could be massive results because those people will be that far, that much more engaged. They'll be that much more involved. They'll be that less likely to quit. Do you agree? Yeah, and you have to make them, you know, not only are we need to be aware of what we're accountable for, we need to help and let the student know what they're accountable for and the parent know what they're accountable right. for within the, the, the training of their child because you're exactly right. It's not just our responsibility to make this happen, and it's not just the child's responsibility. Although uh, we both have a part to play, the parent has responsibility uh, in that too. And I know this is off topic, but quickly with regards to that is, you know, how many times have you heard a parent say to you that, uh, you know, well, I told him that he should be practicing. No, 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 no. Right. Uh, you, you, right. You, you can't, you're, it's, you, yeah. I mean, that's like you saying, well, I, I told him to practice his spelling words, and then you don't find Yeah, I told, him, I, told him, I told him to do his homework. What do you expect, Mrs. Math teacher? I, you know, he's failing. I told him. You know, like, yeah, but that's, that's where adults are supposed to take in uh, or, or take up the level of responsibility. I fortunately have a daughter who is like a book, like school. She's so focused. Like the other day, it's Sunday. I, I have to study for my test. I'm like, come on, Tiara. It's Sunday. Just let's relax and watch a movie. No, I'll watch the movie after. I said, okay, I'll go to work for an hour. You study for an hour. And then we'll come back and reconvene in the living room and watch a movie together. You know, and that, but she's focused. You know, some parents will say to me, I've had parents say, it's your job to teach them to be, you know, to have discipline and respect. I go, it is my job but it's also your job and they don't want to see that, you know, and they don't want to hear that because they feel like I'm dropping 130 bucks. It's your responsibility. Right. Well, and that's where, you know, we have to unfortunately teach the parent how to teach their child, you know, and right. the, the, and then the parent, and again, this is getting off topic, but the parent needs to know the difference between authority and influence, when to use authority and when to use influence. And we all know mm -hmm. the, the saying that it's easier to, uh, you know, what is it? It's easier to catch flies with honey or bees with honey or whatever it is. I mean, it, right. the influence, the influence is where it's at. And kids that are more successful have parents that influence them to do better as opposed to being an authoritative parent uh, to do better. That's just, that's just yeah. the statistics. That's just the way it goes. And so I know we're getting yeah. off topic and I know we want to talk about, um, you know, how do you deal with, you know, you already have, uh, individuals that are in your school that, um, you know, really uh, you, um, you don't want them there anymore because they're a disruption yeah. like you talked about. And maybe they're yeah. not looking somewhere else that's $5 cheaper. So I want to give some information on that so that, you know, any of us that are stuck in that situation um, can help get ourselves out of that situation. Is that okay to move forward with that? Right. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely that's definitely important to discuss because I know we all have this form of guilt and we're, you know, we're trained as martial artists to never give up, right? We're going to, you know, we're going to fall down nine times and get up ten. We're going to, you know, we're going to fail our test and we're going to get right back up and do it again and study with twice the energy and tenacity than we did when we failed the first time because that's who we try, you know, that's who we are. Maybe us as instructors are. Or that's who we want to be, you know. So, so when a kid, you know, is having a hard time, like this little kid, Tommy, that I had in my class, I mean, I literally would pay a helper, 
on the days that he would come so that they could sit with him and be his like second. You know, they were there to help him and, and make sure that he, uh, you know, he had a good class and, and I would lose money because I was paying the assistant more per week than she was paying me the mom per month. And that's why I was almost angry. Well, I was angry. I can't say I wasn't almost angry. I was furious actually when the mom came to me and said, Hey, listen, either you go down $5 a month or we're leaving. And I was like, for real? I said to her, I said, are you serious? Do you realize that I haven't made money on your classes ever? And she's like, how could that be? I pay $130 a month. And then I explained it to her and she was like, oh. And I said, you don't realize that? You didn't realize that this is what was going on? She didn't realize it and she didn't care actually. You know, so when she moved on, I had to just say, okay. And there have been kids that I had to say, I'm not capable. I don't have the ability to teach your child. I'm just not that person. Right, right. What do you well, think? And that's what, do you, where, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, sometimes it's a pride issue that we don't want to uh, say that we, you know, that we don't have the capability to be able to service their, you know, their child. Um, and then the other sometimes is, you know, it's not a pride issue. It's, you know, it's really that you genuinely want to be able to help them, but you, you, you can't. Uh, so where, where do you go from there? Well, first, before yeah. I, and Allie actually gave you part of the answer anyways, but first is that's where you have to have rules that are set up in your business. And if you don't have rules in your business, I just want to point you back to one of our podcasts. It's called, uh, it's episode 62. And, you know, it's, are you using these rules to run your school? So I'm not going to go right. over all of the rules that we talk about in that podcast, but it's podcast 60, 62. But um, right. you have to have rules, so therefore they know strike one, strike two, strike whatever, and then you're out. What I, you know, and so you can go back and listen to that podcast, but when I get to that point, you know, I let them know that I first apologize to them. And I learned this, uh, you know, from, I believe, someone that has a, 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 a fairly good grap, uh, grasp on kids is Melody Schumann because, you know, she uh, said this and it like, it was, you ever have one of those epiphanies, you know, when you hear somebody and you go, oh yeah. my gosh, that was so good, right? Well, that was it. Right. When she said that, you know, I can no longer, you know, or I, I'm not equipped to service your child. And what she did right. with that, if you hear that, what she what she's saying is that it's it's my fault. I'm not able to do it. It's not your kid. I myself am not able to do it. I, you know, I have a deficiency. Um, is basically what she's saying, and I love how that goes because that puts the burden on you and not the parent, especially in that time, because that parent is now hearing that, you know, they no longer can come to your school anymore, but it's not their kid's fault. It's your problem. Um, yeah. But and, and, and that by goes the, back by to the, way, the rules that you set up before though, because you need to have more conversations than just that one and say you're out. You know, there has to be a buildup so that they know that it's coming possibly. Yeah, and, and I know Melody, we, we were very close friends at one point, and we still are friends. We just haven't talked to each other in quite some time. And, um, you know, at first when I heard her say that, I was at a seminar, probably the first time I ever met her, and I was like, really? That's, be, you know, in my head, you know, my ego. Really? That's because, you know, you're not as good as me, you know, and I could, I could teach anyone, you know, that kind of thing. And then I look at it too now. Um, imagine this analogy. This will help everyone. Imagine you go to the doctor and you're going because you have a pain in your stomach, and they find that um, 
the pain in the stomach is due to, um, I don't know, let's use me as an example because I just recently had this happen to me, uh, kidney stones. So they say, I need for you to go to urologist and have an MRI done so they could see the stones and how big they are and whether, you know, uh, we have to do operation to remove them or you just have to suck it up and live it out, right? So um, we have no problem accepting that the doctor is telling us to go to a more specialized doctor. We don't get offended and go, I can't believe my doctor. He's getting rid of me. He doesn't want me anymore. <laughs> you know, going like, okay, yeah, let me go to someone who's got more experience in this category, right? And, and we accept that and we're okay with it. That's how we have to approach this sometimes with children. And, and you may want to connect with psychologists, um, other specialists in this field, maybe another martial arts school that has classes for specialty kids. One of my clients does that right now in Michigan. He recommends his, uh, his clients that he can't handle to another friend of ours, another client of mine, who specializes in, you know, uh, kids that have special needs. So, yeah, it's a perfect way of pushing, you know, pushing the, uh, or not pushing, but sending those people to, um, to the right place, if that makes sense. It, no, it, per, it, it absolutely does. So I think the overview of, of this one is we have to be careful of the advertising that we're doing uh, and, and also the culture that now has shifted from uh, special needs being a taboo to being accepted, which is that part is great. Uh, right. And these active these these parents that are actively you know searching for these type of activity you know activities to give to their kids and we need to be honest with them from the front and have rules and structures in our business to be honest with them in front to be able to legitimately test them to see if they are mm -hmm. a right fit for our quote unquote regular class or our special needs class and like you said if we right. don't have a special needs class then we need to refer them to somewhere else or something else that's going to give them some sort of equivalent, uh, even if it isn't another martial arts school, some sort of equivalency uh, uh, with that. And, and then I would, you know, kind of go back and say it's important to listen to that podcast number 62 that we did about rules because that's going right. to allow us to set up some of these things in the front so that we're not, you know, kicking ourselves in the, in the end. <laughs> At the end, where right, you have right. to actually approach a parent and say, you know, I'm not qualified to, to teach your child. Um, they'll, they'll know that because you've already had conversations prior to that happening um, in that. So I, I, that's all I have to say with regards to uh, this topic. Any final thoughts? Well, the only final thought, and, and it's one quick one, is this, is that don't be afraid to look at your, your student and say, is this person's involvement in my school hurting my school or helping my school? No, it's not about the kid. You're not being, you know, uh, politically incorrect. You're not being uh, bigoted or prejudiced to that specific type of person. You just have to say, does the 20 kids that don't have special needs, are they affected to the point where they're not learning because of the one child that has special needs? And you have to be really careful that you don't ruin your business because you're afraid to make that decision with the one child compared to the 20. And like, you know, then it goes back to the rules and how you're going to transition that kid somewhere else, but you have to, or, or it, it could be an adult. I once had an adult that he was just abusive. He would hurt people on purpose. He, he, anybody I put him with to spar, to grapple, he got a special kind of kick 
out of hurting that person he was with. It could have been a girl. It could have been someone younger, a woman. It could have been, you know, another guy. He just had this kind of, you know, meanness about him. And I had multiple talks with him. And I said, you can't do that. Yes, Sensei, I won't do it. I don't realize I'm doing it. So finally I said, you can't. His name was Bob. I'm like, Bob, you can't be here anymore. You're doing more damage to my students than it's worth. And you just, I've talked to you many times. You just don't seem to listen. So I'm going to have to let, let you go. And that was it. He left and everyone was happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this so, summer, at the, end of, at the end of summer, I had to let a, uh, let a little boy go. Um, but I have the rules that are set up. I've had multiple conversations with the mom. I had multiple conversations with him. And, and I said, hey, look, I said, let's, let's try it again next summer because he started in the summer. You know, and I said, let's try it again next summer and let's right. see if he's if he's matured a little bit. And, you know, right. again, she already knew this because of the rules and she wasn't angry. I mean, she's disappointed. Right. Uh, she was hoping this mm-hmm. was going to be the magic pill. But I told her, I said, well, right. it, it isn't the magic pill until he's, you know, he's ready. And it may not even right. be karate that click, clicks with him. It could be right. chess. I don't know. But when something yeah. actually clicks with, with a kid – they throw them, especially for him, I mean, he was ADD, uh, you know, and, and when something's going to click with him, I mean, he will throw himself all the way in. And he liked karate. Right. It was just right. other aspects, the exercising and some of the other stuff that comes yeah. along with it that you have to do. But anyhow, exactly. all to say that you need to set up those rules and make sure that the, the parents and you are on the same page because you are looking out. Ultimately, you're looking out for that child's best interest, whether they are in your school or not. You're, you need to look out for their best interest, and, and by being up front right. with them, with the parents, that, that, that's, that's how you do it. So, Allie, Absolutely. Great, a great topic. Great topic. Yes. I loved it. Yeah, thanks for chatting with me. I appreciate it. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And, um, you know, check it. By the way, if you guys are listening and you like our podcast, we, I don't know if you know this, but we've been giving away these incredible information-packed webinars on specific topics that are a little bit more drilled down to, let's say, like a system. So we have something coming up this coming week, and then you could also, if you miss it, you know, we wish you would be on it down and, you know, on it live with us because you could ask us questions and maybe help influence the way the direction goes as far as the questions go. But anyway, we have a webinar coming up this week, and you could always download them on, you know, for a future, uh, you know, podcast, not live, but they're, you know, they'll be online for you. So this week we have one coming up, which is exciting. You want to quickly just tell them about it, Twain, and then we'll let everyone go? Yeah, yeah. Um, so our, our podcast is timely because it, it's talking about um, uh, the uh, Karate for Christmas um, opportunity right. that, you know, because this is the time of season that we can sell lessons for karate presents and those types of things. And yeah. you know, I'm just going to preface this by saying, you know, not everybody's going to get these results, but, you know, imagine for a moment getting 91 trials, right? 91 right. trials, 74, 74 of them paid and 17 are actual free trials that, you know, they didn't pay you right. to do, but, you know, starting out the new year with 91 uh, trials to, you know, obviously have them do the trial and then sign up and then whatever your conversion rate is off of trials. I mean, if you have a, a low end, a 50% conversion rate out of 91, that's going to be a pretty good year to start off with, right? You yeah. Know, having 40 some odd people signing up. So um, right. that's what our webinar is going to go over, what exactly I did to get those results. Um, and again, I mean, I, I can't promise that you're going to get them, but I can promise you without the idea and the systems that go along with it, you're, you, you probably aren't going to get 
anywhere close to 91 anyways. Yeah. So that's what the yeah, webinar is absolutely. going to be. This coming Thursday, it's uh, at um, 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. No, wait, it's 11.30, isn't it? Which is it? No, no, no 12.30. 11.30. 12.30. Huh? No, 12, 12.30 my time, Eastern Standard Time. Yes, so, yeah, yeah, 12.30, 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, but you can go to uh, schoolownertalk.com, and there's a link that's on there. I'll also put the link onto this podcast, too, but there's a, there's a link on the right-hand side of the page to get access uh, to sign up for that webinar. Um, go ahead and, awesome. uh, you know, please share this call. Uh, share this, this podcast with your, um, your other martial arts school friends. Uh, and I, I quickly want to just remind you of the last podcast, which is very timely, too. We talked about the new overtime rules that are happening in all over America. So you need to listen to that one and then call your accountant uh, about the overtime right. rules. I put a link on there about what's happening for the overtime rules to the actual government website so that you can the, – the Department of Labor website. That way you can read them for yourself, but you need to call your accountant. Uh, about that and make sure that you know see if it's going to affect you and you know all those things so um i think that's it Allie. thank you very much yep absolutely have a great day Dwayne. great talking to you and everyone enjoy 